I'm Steve Service, and this is the Art of Fitness. Hey everybody, welcome to the Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Service, and today I'll be talking to Carrie Pierce. Carrie is a 27-year-old professional CrossFit coach and athlete. Originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan, she now lives in New York City and trains out of CrossFit Spot. She graduated from the University of Michigan with a degree in movement science and was on the varsity gymnastics team. Carrie started CrossFit in November of 2014, did her first CrossFit Open in March of 2015, and qualified for the regionals, where she finished third and went right to the CrossFit Games, where she finished 21st in the world. See, it's that easy, folks. In 2016, Carrie took third at Wadapalooza, finished second in the Open, fourth at Regionals, qualified again for the Games, and finished fifth in the world in 2016, making her the top American female. It was great talking with Carrie. Um, she Talk about focus. I particularly like what she has to say about focus and and also... The idea of comparing yourself to others. Interesting stuff. So let's go listen to my interview with Carrie Pierce. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Great. Thanks for coming on The Art of Fitness. Of course. Um, uh, how are you? You you just came off of uh, the Invitational. Can you tell me about that a little bit? I talked to one of your opponents uh, Pat Vellner a while back, and he said it was a great time. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience at the at the um, Invitational? Yeah, it was a awesome time. It was a little different aspect um, doing the team competition as opposed to individual, but it was a lot of fun and just the atmosphere of the arena and just competing against other familiar faces and representing your country is always just incredible. And I was honored to have a chance to compete on the floor with such phenomenal athletes and represent the United States of America. So I was really glad that I could compete in such an event and just with high level athletes and everything. And the way it was run was incredible. Well, what is the major difference in terms of, I mean, with, without going into the obvious, what is the major difference for you as a competitor of uh, between doing individual competition and all of a sudden being pitted into these events with people that are normally your competitors? Well, I'm personally, I put more pressure on myself when I'm in a team environment as opposed to individual. When I'm individual, I mean, obviously you're letting yourself down, but when you're with a team, you're also letting the other competitors down if you make a mistake. So that was just one thing. It's just like you have to be on your A game. Plus, you know how you're feeling, but when you get in the middle of the workouts and you're relying on other people, they don't know how you're feeling, you don't know how they're feeling, so you have to like kind of play off each other in that way. So it's just a little bit different. And the workouts too, you're are a little bit when you're working, you're working fast and then you get the built in rest. Whereas when you're by yourself it's just kinda of like one steady state. And as you said, I mean you're competing against or you're competing with other people that you normally compete against, but it's kind of fun just getting to know them as an individual because you always see them on the athletic floor. So it's fun just getting to know the actual person that they are. Yeah, sure. Now, you have a, a background as a gymnast, um, a very high-level gymnast at the University of Michigan, correct? Yes. Now, do you think that um, 
talk to me as though I know nothing about uh, being a gymnast because I don't. Um, but is that kind of competition where y it seems as though the training is constantly individual, but that needs to translate to team competition. Am I correct? Yeah. So especially in college, when you get to college, the individual or the training and everything is individual, but you compete as a team for a team score. But every the best individuals will compete. And I mean, at the end of the day, it is an individual sport. It's based on how you do as a perform, how you do as an individual, your performance. And the team is just like the collective score, but the best individuals on the team will go out on the competitive floor and represent their school. Right. Talk to me about drive. Because, you know, I don't know if my listeners have seen photos of you. I'm sure they have. But you are how tall? Five foot two? Yeah, five three. Five three. And just uh, completely carved out of granite. You are Thank just you. a solid ball of, of muscle and, um, and movement elegance. And that obviously takes a great deal of drive your whole life before gymnastics, before CrossFit. And I understand you were a physique athlete too, right? Yep, correct. So before all of that, tell us a little bit about Carrie Pierce as a, um, as a child. Uh, were, were you always an athlete? Yes, I was. Well, I actually started gymnastics as a, at the age of three with my sister. She was five. Wow. My mom put us both into gymnastics class because she thought it was something that would be fun for us to do together. And I mean, I also did t-ball. I did bat, uh, baseball. I did swimming. Um, they she, dance. She put me in a variety of sports, and I always just went back to gymnastics, gymnastics, gymnastics. Uh, even like soccer, other sports. But I like the individual aspect, and I just like gymnastics because there are so many challenges. Like you're, you never have all the skills. Like there's always something to work on. I mean, obviously that's every sport, but just gymnastics was what I wanted to do. I enjoyed the flipping around and I even enjoyed like the push-ups and the pull-ups and all that kind of stuff, which a lot of people don't. So I think that's a special characteristic that I have that really carries over, especially into CrossFit. Now, did your sister continue with you when you were younger? Yeah, she competed until the age of 11 and then she started swimming and then played field hockey. So you come from an athlete family. Do you, do you just have one sibling, one sister? Uh, I have a brother as well who played hockey at a very high level. Nice. Like, yeah. how, how high did he go? Uh, he did some international tournaments and stuff. When he was 13, his team won a world-level uh, tournament. Wow, that's great. So yeah. it, it's in your blood. Yes. Obviously. My parents actually met at a um, Bally's Total so, Fitness. I'm sorry? My parents met at Bally's Total Fitness, the gym. Oh, they did? So yeah. are your parents are your parents trainers? No, they were both just working out there and met while they were both working out. <laughs> Have any of your family, because of your success in the functional fitness world in CrossFit and in GRID, um, have any of them gone on to do CrossFit as well or any any sort of functional training as as a uh, as a competitive endeavor? Uh, well, my sister recently just started getting into it. She actually ran a marathon uh, back in October, and I was back in Michigan the beginning of January, so she went to her first CrossFit class with me because she had been doing the running, but she also enjoys weight training. 
So she wanted to see what it was like, and she really enjoyed it. So she's looking for a CrossFit gym um, right where she's at in Chicago. And my, my brother went to one um, CrossFit class, but he has other strength that he's been doing for uh, hockey. But he always asks me for workouts and stuff, so he'll do CrossFit as well. So obviously it, it looks like competition. Would, would you say that competition was um, – built into your upbringing in your whole family yeah with each other yeah definitely i mean obviously friendly competition for the most part but you always want to be the best <laughs> sure absolutely and speaking of the, the best um am i right is this correct you just set a new york state bench press record yeah well i did when i did uh powerlifting yep 240 pounds what year was that that was 2014. So that was before, um, was that before or after you started doing CrossFit like full time? So that was the last thing that I did before I started CrossFit. Nice. I was like, I had the powerlifting competition scheduled in November, the second week of November. And I would start, started working at a CrossFit gym at the end of October. So I said, once my powerlifting competition was over, then I would go into CrossFit full force. Like I had been dabbling with it here and there. Like I would do a Metcon every once in a while, maybe like two or three times a week. Uh, but mainly I was doing the powerlifting. And once I competed in powerlifting, then I decided that I wanted to try CrossFit and see what came of it. And, and what what brought you that, to that decision? I mean, here here you are. You're, you're a high-level gymnast. You're a strength athlete. You're a physique athlete. I mean, everything that has to do with human movement you've done, what what brought you to the point? Because obviously in those circles, I've been in these circles for a very long time, but obviously in circles, you, you know, you're a gym rat. You're yeah. over here, you're, you're training, you're training for hypertrophy, you're training for strength. There is some stigma about functional fitness at first. What made you cross the line and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, I want to try that? Well, I had a teammate back in college that was on the cross uh, CrossFit Adrenaline's team and went to the CrossFit Games for three years as her team, uh, as a team, and she had been bothering me, well, I mean, friendly bothering me about starting CrossFit because she was like, you would be so good at it. You should try it. You should try it. I was like, no, like, I don't want to do gymnastics. I'm over it. I want to do weightlifting. I want to do other things like with weight involved, not my body, not handstands, not anything related to gymnastics. Like... 18 years is a long time, so I was over it. But yeah. then slowly, like, I did a little bit of CrossFit. My weightlifting coach introduced it just a couple days a week. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. But then, like you said, then I got into bodybuilding. I'm like, oh, this is fun, like, seeing how lean you can get and keep your muscle, whatever. I did a competition there, and then I wanted something different. So I was like, well, powerlifting will be fun. Let's see how much weight I can lift. And during that time, I saw the games on ESPN, so I sat down. I remember laying on the gym floor one day, just watching the CrossFit games and all the incredible athletes compete, and I'm like, I can do some of that. I was like, that looks like it would be a lot of fun. I was like, mm -hmm. maybe I should actually give it a try. Right. So the owner of the gym that I coach at in New York City CrossFit spot, uh, Billy De La Rosa, contacted me one day and saw that I was a gymnast and also a personal trainer, and he mentioned CrossFit and something about becoming a gymnastics coach. And so I was like, well, I guess I can talk to him, see what it's about. Can't hurt. So I talked to him, and 
he said he was doing CrossFit and explained it a little bit more to me and it sounded like a lot of fun. It sounded like something that I would be good at and interested in. So like I said, after I did that powerlifting competition, I was like, I'll give it a try. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is I didn't like it and then I would go either back to powerlifting or something else. But it was just a good mix of everything. Like some days, you know, you want to lift heavy or some days you get to do gymnastics. So it's just like completely changing and I mean, you never get sick of it. So that's nice. more or less what drove me to CrossFit. Now, as a as a you have a degree in movement science, right? Yes. So, as somebody with a with a background in kinesiology, movement science, obviously you've devoted your whole life to to movement, but you're also putting your body through so much um, that I'm sure that you've had a litany of injuries. Am I right? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, through gymnastics, I had bad ankles. So in college, my our athletic trainer joked around because she said she would put the stretch limousine on my ankles. It was basically like a tape job that was from the bottom of my toes to like the middle of my shin just because I had like, it wasn't broken. It was just like a bad uh, strained ankle on both sides, mm -hmm. my tendon. And so that like, and I had a few back injuries as a gymnast, but actually like, and then when I start right after gymnastics, when I started weightlifting, I had a bulge just in my back and carpal tunnel, which I mean, I think was from gymnastics and then flared up after, like just after I stopped and the body was like still in shock. Mm -hmm. uh, but then like going through, after that, going through bodybuilding, powerlifting, and even in CrossFit, like more or less I've been very fortunate and haven't had many injuries. I mean, I have like my knee acts up here and there, and then I actually like have a partially torn Achilles from the games last year. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically it. My coach incorporates a lot of rehab exercises into our training. So, I mean, that's something different that we do. So I think that keeps me from getting injured, especially like shoulders and knees and back. Right. So you, are you dealing with, you're dealing with a partial tear of your Achilles right now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, having a background in movement science, obviously you are well equipped to take care of yourself, but with something like an Achilles injury, um, how does that change up your training? Here we are coming up on the open. You're the fittest woman right now in the United States. How does something like a partial Achilles tear um, change your focus or, or you know, make you change your training in any way? Well, so I guess kind of fortunate for me is that I needed to work on my strength, um, just getting stronger and everything. So... I've been able to squat a lot and deadlift and just get strong that way. Um, and as my coach said the other day, he's like, you're not going to forget how to run. You're not going to forget how to jump. And I've still been able to do a lot of like rowing and biking. Um, and I can do burpees without the jump and things like that. So I can still do a lot of conditioning and just work on my barbell cycling and swimming. I mean, there's a lot of things that I can still work on that doesn't really impact my Achilles as much, which is, I guess, good for me because I can work on my weaknesses and kind of, I mean, leave some of my strengths behind. But, I mean, we just haven't been doing double unders or any extra running. But like I said, we incorporate an extra rowing workout or an extra bike workout just to, like, make up for that endurance aspect. Mm -hmm. But it's feeling a lot better. So I've been slowly introducing double unders back in. I got to do 52 weeks ago. Last week was 90. So this week I'll be able to do probably 120, 150 just slowly getting it back and it's it's feeling good it's feeling strong we've had a lot of 
I've done a lot of strengthening exercises for it, especially recently, just so that it is ready when the open comes up. Because, I mean, most likely there's going to be some high rep double unders or a lot of box jumps, something along those lines. Right. So removing the ballistic stress, but still making sure that you're hitting the energy systems as much as you can. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, so something that I don't think many people know about you, except for, you know, maybe a, a small a small group, but I want you to talk about the fact that you didn't speak a word your entire kindergarten year of school. Yeah. So, yeah, my whole kindergarten year, I didn't say one word. I was always, I was very just attentive and always listened to what other people were saying. And even when I was like three, my sister did all the talking for me. I would point at something and just make a uh noise. My sister would be like, oh, she wants an apple or oh, she wants a sandwich or whatever. Like my sister basically said everything for me. So I didn't really have to speak much. <laughs> and then, yeah. And in my uh, first grade year, it was about four weeks into school, and I said my first word. Wow. The teacher stopped class and called my mom and was like, Carrie said her first word. <laughs> and she was really excited because, I mean, my mom had talked to her before school started and said, like, I was very quiet and I didn't speak in kindergarten. And, you know, if I could open up, that would be phenomenal. So when I said my first word, like I said, the teacher dropped everything and called my mom. And even, like, at gymnastics practice, it would be, like, three, three and a half, four-hour practice, and I – wouldn't say a word like we would go through and sometimes you know the coach would be like okay everyone you we're gonna have a game and whoever can stay silent the longest wins or whatever because you know a lot of kids are <laughs> yeah. talking and distracted yeah, you would and dominate like, yeah <laughs> i was the exact opposite like i don't need to talk okay let me do more work so <laughs> so yeah. do you do you think that you know it's funny my my wife is a psychologist and okay. um you know I, i'm always thinking about nature versus nurture and it's i just found that interesting because like i said you you look at what you're capable of and you look at this um this muscled facade that that you carry around and all of a sudden i, I you know i i heard that you you sent that to me that you didn't speak your kindergarten year and it made me wonder huh i wonder if she did speak if she would choose a life of physical endeavor you know if that had anything to do with the fact that you know your entire life up until this point has been mapped out to just using your body and um you know, it was it was just interesting, and I'm wondering if you've ever thought about that. No, I really haven't, but you do bring up a great point, and now I'm, like, thinking about it as you speak. I mean, could be true. <laughs> um, okay, Carrie, are you ready to do this questionnaire? I am. All right, let's go. Section one, how many meals do you consume in a day? On an average day, I consume about five meals. Uh, I wake up, I'll eat breakfast, then I go to train, and... During my training, I have some sugars and some protein. Then I eat about another hour and a half after that. Then I'll have two other full meals in the day. And then right before I go to bed, I mean, it's basically a meal because it's casein protein powder with oatmeal and then some sort of fat, usually peanut butter. In percentages of fat, protein, carbohydrate, what's your macronutrient breakdown per meal? Does it change with time of day or does it change with training schedule? Yes, it tra it changes with everything. Um, so when I wake up in the morning, I will have a combination of carbs, fats, and proteins. And then, like I said, while I work out, which, I mean, it depends on the day. Uh, every day, well, Monday, Wednesday are the same. Tuesday, Thursday are the same. Fridays, generally, like, a 
recovery day, and then Saturday's, Saturday is similar to Monday and Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, the first meal will be a combination of everything. And then, yeah, during my workout, it's just protein and carbs. Then an hour and a half after that is just protein and carbs as well because the fat slows down di digestion, so we want the carbs and protein to feed the muscle as quick as possible. And then the meal after that will be a little bit of fat incorporated. Then the next meal is definitely higher fat, and I have the most fat at night just to help slow the digestion of protein and carbs and everything through my body as I sleep. Now, do you do your own nutritional planning or do you do you work with somebody? So I actually recently started working with uh, RPS uh, with Nick Shaw. Mm -hmm. He contacted me after regionals and was like, do you have anybody that does your nutrition? Um, and he was a University of Michigan grad as well. So it was awesome that we have that connection. Uh, but re before that, I was following just something similar to when I did physique. But, I mean, a lot of people know performance nutrition is definitely different than, uh, the, like, eating for how you look. So right. I was like, that would be interesting to see just how my nutrition would differ if, you know, I'm looking for ideal performance and not 10% body fat or ideal leanness or gaining muscle or any of that. Um so yeah, he changed it a little bit. He actually decreased my protein and increased my carbs and fat, which I thought was interesting. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's been working and I've, I feel really good. And I mean, he, we've been working on adding a little bit of mass just because like I said, the main thing for me is just trying to get stronger. So we've upped my calories, basically upped everything, especially uh, carbs and fat and I mean, protein on my off days. Okay. How, mu how much time do you usually take in between eating and training? So you eat a so, meal. How long do you wait before you start moving? Usually at least an hour. Um, generally, I'll wait an hour until I start working out, but then it takes me about half an hour to do mobility, activation, everything. Then I get into the strength part of my workout, which, I mean, I don't really care if I'm a little bit more full because um, I do my uh, weightlifting and then is usually like a strength so either deadlift squat something like that right after and then we do some accessory work in a metcon and so yeah for me like me I want to make sure it's at least like two two and a half hours after I've eaten before I do my metcon or anything of really high intensity work breathing heavy that kind of stuff okay how often do you train in a day uh, so I have a few different schedules depending on the day um Monday, Wednesday, I generally train twice a day because those are more my CrossFit, Metcon intensive days. Um, so I'll train usually at 8.30 in the morning, and then I'll go back around 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And on Tuesday, Thursdays, I work with a weightlifting coach. Um, I actually recently just started working with him about a month ago. So Tuesday, Thursday, I also coach uh, CrossFit in New York City. So I train around 10:30 or 11 with him and then depending on the day sometimes I'll train later in the days but usually the weightlifting is very very intense um cuz he's from Nigeria he was a national level weightlifting coach there so usually that's about all that my body needs as far as strength wise just so that it can recover um and yeah Monday Wednesday like I'll do a couple metcons sometimes later in the day is either like a swimming or a rowing session or biking, or sometimes, if I feel like it, then just some gymnastics work. Friday is a recovery day, so that'll be like a long row, or a long swim, or something just longer, just to get the blood flow going, kind of 45 minutes to an hour. 
with mobility and some, sometimes extra shoulder rehab, knee rehab, just depending on how my body's feeling. Then Saturday is usually pretty intensive weightlifting session followed by a Metcon. And Sunday is often complete rest, but sometimes that changes. Like yesterday I went swimming because I was feeling motivated. So <laughs> Great. So a, a typical training day for you looks like? A two a day. We could we could say that. Yeah. When you when you mm -hmm. say you're you're going in the morning and then you're coming back like three in the afternoon. How long are those sessions? Are we talking? You come in, you mobilize, you warm up, you do your work, and then you cool down, or is it is it longer than that? That's usually a typical session, especially the morning one. Um, and so usually I'll be in there two and a half to three hours in the morning, and then an depending on what I do later that day is anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Okay. And when you say, so you're looking at between five and six hours in the gym um, yeah. training. So when you say a longer row or a longer run, what does long as opposed to short mean to you? So long, I was to say longer means it's usually about 45 minutes. Like last week I had a 10 K row, um, usually like a 45 minute, consistently going um if i say short then sometimes that'll mean intervals uh like 250 meters to 500 meter rowing intervals or sometimes even thousand meter intervals but broken up whereas longer is just sitting on the rower or the bike for an extended period of time or like doing a hour swim or hour and a half swim okay so when you say long you're just talking in terms of distance or in terms of time under tension or time under adaptive stress but when, yes. even when you're doing short intervals when you couple when you add all those up you're still staying you're still maintaining that amount of time under stress it's just with a built-in rest interval am i am i correct? yes yeah so even like the when i say even the shorter rowing sessions i guess sometimes they actually last longer just because the built-in rest i might do like you know, a 500 meter row. So say whatever, a little under two minutes. And then you take three minutes of rest and you, you do that like eight rounds, you know, that's 40 minutes right there. So it's a sufficient amount of time, but it's the actual intervals themselves are shorter. Right. And before we go on to section two, I just want to ask you one last thing. So when you are working for the open, as opposed to working for regionals, as opposed to working on the CrossFit Games, does your year, your annual training year, the cycles in which you train, does it look different throughout the year? Or or do you pretty much have a plan and say, I'm training for this, and what happens in the Open is a byproduct of that, what happens in the Regionals is a byproduct of that, I'm training for the CrossFit Games. I mean, now it's different because now you're also a professional athlete with uh, the NPGL. So do you find that your training cycles change throughout the year or do you find that this is pretty much how you handle your weeks and that's what it looks like throughout your year? So, I mean, well, one thing lucky for me, I have an awesome coach, so he's the eyes and ears, everything. Like he's the one that's in charge of my training and I'll talk to him and we'll kind of go by feel. And I mean, like right after the CrossFit games is a little bit more lower intensity. Your body needs to recover. It's been through a lot. Um, so then I would say that I was only doing once a days. And I mean, sometimes it was only like four strength training days as opposed to five. 
Uh, so just the intensity, everything was a little bit lower. And yeah, we'll go through stages where it's like max, max lifting, um, just seeing, you know, where your numbers are at. And then there's sometimes where it's like, uh, that, so that's more intensity. Sometimes it'll be more volume oriented. Um, and like right now going into the open, a lot of like the Metcons that we do are lighter weight, just seeing how fast you can move because that's, you know, how the open usually works. I mean, obviously there's some heavy weights built in as well, but I mean, most of the time, like thrusters, uh, are usually like, you know, like the 65 pounds or there might be like lightweight snatches for speed. I mean, sometimes you might get a max snatch as well, but it's a lot more conditioning oriented, a lot more rowing and wall balls and just things where you're moving really fast. Whereas, you know, you get into regionals and it's a little bit heavier weight, but there's also that grueling conditioning aspect of it. Um, and then the games is even more so a little bit, everything's just another level up, you know, like the open, you'll have kipping handstand pushups, regionals, a lot of times like strict. And then at the games, who knows, deficit strict, I don't know, ring, ring handstand pushups like last year. So it's just like right now we're just focusing on, I mean, it's, you know, the basic movements and just trying to move as fast as you can, just work on that speed um, while still incorporating the heavy lifting. But I mean, like right now, I feel like for me is when I can kind of turn up the volume a little bit because the, the open is very important, but obviously it's not like the main goal right now. So I try and just do the open workouts once a week or once when they come out and then call it good because I don't want to waste, you know, other vital training days well from doing the open workouts because they are very taxing and they take it out of you so try and do it on saturday and then call it good and focus on my other training that's you know more meant for regionals and then ultimately the games right one and done that's what yes I um who is your coach uh his name is mike verrado uh, a lot of people don't know him because he's he's uh came in across it when i did so november 2014 so he's been in a little bit uh over two years he writes he just started a website. He's growing. He is called Sports Specific Power. Great. Excellent. Yes. Section two. How would you describe your state of mind while training? While training, I am very focused. Um, a lot of people will notice that when I'm in the gym and I'm getting my training in, they won't talk to me because they know. I mean, this is, it's my job. I need to be in there. I need to be focused. I need to be in the zone while I am training because, you know, what comes from training We'll show on the competition floor. And I mean, I love what I do. And sometimes people look at me and they're like, she's so focused. Like, is she upset? Whatever. And I'm like, no, I just get so focused when I am in the gym. Like, sometimes I don't see what's going on around me or I don't see like people that walk in the door and like, you didn't say hi. I'm like, it's because I was focused on what I was doing. I'm like, when I'm done with my workout, talk to me as much as you want. But while I am training, I'm focused on the task at hand because I mean, I, I guess the way that I want to say it is I don't, I'm not where I'm at because I was talking while I was working out. It's because it takes 100% focus while you're there all the time. I mean, and sometimes you're not focused. That's how you get injured as well. Right. If you could liken your mental state in competition to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would it be and why? I'm going to have to say a rock just because it's so solid. And that's one thing that I noticed like as a gymnast is my mental game is on point and like I said it has to be solid especially when you get to competitions high level up regionals the games you have to be focused on what you're doing and you have to believe in yourself too because um, if you're not if you're thinking about anything else something is going to go wrong you have to be focused on the task at hand like I said it has to be solid like nobody else should be able to move it or change what's going through your mind imagine this scenario 
You're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left arm. You come to a canyon. The only way across is via zip line. Requires one of your hands for you to hold on with. What do you put down? What do you take with you? This question is very difficult for me to answer because, you know, you you look at the two and everyone knows that, like, family is very close and family is so important to everyone. But I would have to say the baby just because, I mean, they can't help themselves at all. Great. You're a hero. Thanks. A news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Although officials have known about it for some time, the asteroid is predicted to hit within 24 hours. This will meet a certain end for our planet. How will you spend your last 24 hours? This is also another difficult question that I had to think about a little while. But So for me, I mean, since I don't live, this is another family one. Uh, since I don't live near my family, they actually, my dad and mom live in Mexico City. And my sister lives in Chicago. My dad or my brother lives in Alaska. So we're like all spread out. So I think for my last 24 hours, I would fly directly to Mexico City just to see my family and hope that uh, my brother and sister could fly out there just so I could spend the last little bit with them. Great. When is it essential to lie? And when is it deplorable to tell the truth? I'm not sure if it's ever essential to lie. I mean, I guess sometimes people lie just because they don't want to hurt people. But in at the end of the day, I feel like everyone, like someone's going to find out that you're lie because one lie just leads to another lie, which leads to another. And I mean, like I said, usually you lie because you don't want to hurt somebody or you don't want to hurt yourself or... I mean, you know what you did was wrong, but at the end of the day, I feel like everyone always gets caught in a lie. Um, and when is it deplorable to tell the truth? I, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, it's along the same lines as, is it essential to lie? Because at the end of the day, um, if it's awful to tell the truth, I mean, everyone needs to know the truth because they're going to find out eventually whether it's right away or down the line because you can't hide a lie. Awesome. Who in history, either real or fictional, would you describe as resilient? Why that person? When I first read this question, one person came to mind, and I think it might be a popular answer, but I'm not really sure. And I'm going to have to go with Oprah Winfrey. Um, I've listened to a lot of like her story and just like where she came from. And she's just like such a fighter that she won't let her past get her down or you know, um, her son passing away at such a young age and stuff too. I feel like she wouldn't let anything get in her way and she just pushed and pushed and pushed and she's such a fighter and won't let like the bad childhood that she had get in her way. And she's, I mean, everyone knows who she is. She's the most successful female, if not one of the most successful females that has ever lived. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Perfect happiness um, just means that I have a smile on my face all the time. I mean, things are going the way that I want. I'm affecting people's lives in a positive way, and I'm just enjoying everything that I do, which, I mean, for the most part is what's going on right now. So, What is the opposite of fear? I'm going to say the opposite of fear is confidence, because if you're scared, the op like the opposite would be that you have 100% 
confidence in yourself and that you believe in yourself. Finish this sentence for me. Love is blank. Undescribable. <laughs> what recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? Sometimes I like to push things off to the last minute and, I mean, I guess like procrastination, I would call it. And I'm like, why didn't, like, just regret on not doing things sooner sometimes because, I don't know, sometimes you wait too long on something and you miss an opportunity or things happen and don't go the way that you want because you weren't on top of things. So that's something that I've been working on recently is just trying to stay on top of everything and not procrastinate. When do you experience sadness? I experience sadness when I find out that bad things happen to either loved ones or friends that are very close to me. Um, I just, and especially when I don't have control over it, like if something happens to my sister and, you know, she's in Chicago and I try to talk to her, but she's, you know, so far away that I can't do anything. So things like that make me sad. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. I'm going to relate this to fitness. Um, and the last time I was surprised was at the CrossFit Games when I finished fifth in the world. I like walked up to my coach and I started crying, just like saying, thank you, thank you. I can't believe like we've come this far just because, you know, I, I just like any other CrossFit, CrossFit athlete work hard day in, day out. And it's just like, so amazing to see the results pay off on the competition floor and just being with surrounded by such amazing athletes and knowing that you belong right there with them. Cause like I said, like two years before that I was watching them on ESPN and hoping that one day I could, you know, meet some of them or, I mean, I didn't dream about competing with them. So just finishing fifth at the CrossFit games. And then, I mean, even as the top American was just more than I could ever imagine pretty overwhelming. Thank you. Yeah. What word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you? Uh, I mean, going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, just lying. Um, I hate when people lie to me, especially if it's something dumb and that really doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> and if it's important, then it's even more beneficial to tell me the truth so that you can work it out. Because I mean, if someone lies to you, there's usually something that you could do about it if you knew the truth. Whereas if you, if you lie, you can't go back and change, change things or it's harder to. Yeah. What happens to us when our bodies die? I think when our bodies die, um, I do believe that we have a spirit and that it will go to heaven or to hell. Okay. Name one event in your life that you can most closely describe as a miracle. So when I was, I was a baby and my sister, my family owned a pool. My sister's two years older than me and she was in the pool and she was drowning. My mom was holding me and I, my mom went to jump into the pool to save my sister. And I was still a baby. She was just holding me, cradling me, whatever. And she basically threw me and I rolled across uh, the side of the pool. And she said I was, if I would have rolled one more time. I would have fell into the pool. Um, so I think that was just a miracle that I stayed on the edge of the pool and didn't end up drowning because it was, like I said, my mom was saving my sister or saving me, and my sister was two years old. So my mom had to, you know, take the chance. So she, like, kind of, like, like I said, tossed me to the side as she was jumping in the pool, and 
I was right on the edge of falling in the water as a infant. And I mean, you're an infant, you go in the water, you're probably gone. Wow. Sounds like you have an amazing mom. Yeah. What do you feel most connected with creation? Um, I feel most connected with creation just, I mean, each night in bed before I go to bed and I just think about how amazing, I mean, just the opportunity of life is and just that every one of us was given the chance to be on this earth and just to prove ourselves. <laughs> what is the thing that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth for you? Uh, I think the thing that's the closest resemblance to absolute truth, well, I think is just, you know, being honest with yourself and knowing who you are and just expressing that every day to people that you know. That's great. And at this point in your life, why do you feel you were put on this earth? I feel I was put on this earth just to make a positive influence in other people. My name, Carissa. My parents actually chose that name because it means loving and happy. Um, and so I think that's part of it is just I am a loving person. And I just want to show that to other people and just be a positive influence in others' lives, especially in the world of fitness because that's where I excel. And that's where I really enjoy everything about. Um, so I think that's why I was put on this earth just to, you know, positively, positively benefit help benefit other people in the aspect of fitness and just in everything. I think you're totally living that. You're definitely an inspiration. Thank you. Um, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, and, but before you leave, a couple more things. How can the audience connect with you? Um, the audience uh, can connect with me. Um, I either have an Instagram account and I check the messages. It's at Carrie Pierce CrossFit. Or they can feel free to email me. Carrie Pierce CrossFit at gmail.com. Excellent. And do you have any events coming up that we should check out? Anything else we should know about that's important to you right now that you want us to check out and, and follow through with? Um, actually, right now, luckily for me, is a little bit of a downtime. So just the open is the next thing on my agenda. But if anyone's in New York City and wants to hop into a gym, let me know I'm at CrossFit Spot. Or if you're out in Jersey, I'm at Golden Phoenix, so I'm always looking for people to come work out with me. Excellent. And before you go, I want some parting words from the audience. Do you have any parting words, any morsel of inspiration before we say goodbye? I just want to tell everyone, just be the best you can be and don't compare yourself to others. I hear and see so many people that are like, well, she did this and he did that and like trying to compare themselves. Just focus on yourself and be the best person you possibly can because at the end of the day that's what matters don't try to make other people happy because you you won't be able to make everybody happy just focus on yourself and being positive and that can only help lift you up carrie pierce thank you so much for coming on the art of fitness thank you so much for talking to me i wish you the best of luck in the open in the regionals i'm sure you'll be back at the crossfit games good luck good luck with that achilles Thank you so much. Of course, and thank you so much. Okay, take care. Bye. Carrie Pierce brings a seriousness to her work that we can all learn from. She's been an athlete her entire life, but 
What's expressed through her sport of choice at any given moment is her innate competitiveness. She's made a habit of being at the top of everything she decides to commit to. She's focused. She believes in herself. But my biggest takeaway from this interview is that she has a desire to prove herself. And that's thought-provoking because she sets her own expectations and sets them extremely high. This is why I feel Carrie Pierce is an artist. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe, write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com. Scroll down and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot. Thank <laughs> you.